Christmas listeners. I know you guys are fucking actually by the time this goes out, it might be Christmas. I don't know. I can't do math, but I know what's happened to you. You have tuned into Ain't Nobody Checking for Me Pod. I'm Rachel Jarofsky. I'm Cody Wilkins. And as per usual, thank you all very much for tuning in and pushing back against the title of the pod. Welcome, Rachel. I guess I'll kick it off to you. How are you and who has been checking for you recently? Eyebrow pimples. Okay. Oh, no. Motherfuckers thought they grew out of acne, not in your eyebrows. An eyebrow pimple is like a tiny little shard of glass in, in, in the most tender part of your face. And that's just that's just where I'm living. I just feel like I'm riddled with them. You know, an eyebrow pimple really is just a natural born headache. There's no way for it to not hurt at all times because it's not as new space up there. You know, it's not that's really supposed to be bothered up there. Right. It's just sitting in, in the, you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dermatologize this too much because it, it'll really get me amped up. You don't dermatologize it, and I definitely won't see an actual dermatologist because they don't love my health insurance. Uh sounds like your dermatologist saw your insurance and said, I don't want any skin in the game. <laughs> Who's been checking for me this week? My mother's been checking for me quite a bit. She keeps asking me if I've sent her her gift yet. Um and the answer has always been yes. I guess she doesn't trust USPS anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that the election's over, she's like, ah, it could be something could be something fishy in there. I haven't seen this package. You keep saying you sent it. I haven't seen it. Where is it? She doesn't she doesn't seem to care about the holiday rush. So So wait, what did you get her though? Well man, I don't want to ruin the surprise. Oh right. Because she is a faithful, faithful listener. Because what she what she doesn't know is I played her to the left. I I had her pick out some stuff for what she wanted, and then got her something completely different. It's a classic bait and switch. Uh, mm. Holiday Xmas gag. Ha <laughs> ha, grinched you. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll break it down to you, all the X's and O's of it afterwards. Rachel, I know this isn't exactly your holiday. You know? Oh, Christmas? Uh, yeah. Oh, man. I fucking love Christmas. Are you kidding? Really? I've got some amazing Jewish traditions. On. I'm, I'm going to just get uh, Christmas Eve. I'm just going to invest in a piping hot delivery of just spicy Szechuan and then uh, proceed to shit fire the whole morning after <laughs> for me while I binge just like meet the Fockers or some shit. But it is actually sad because my family usually goes to Christmas Eve um, it, to a to Chinatown in Christmas Eve, which obviously not happening this year. So, you know, fuck that. I'll just make Chinatown come to me. Feel me? There you go. Hello. It's a Grubhub holiday. <laughs> so mom is checking for you. Um, who are, are you checking for anyone? I'm checking for actually that new Pixar movie, Soul. It's like... Uh, oh, that looks super cute. It yeah. looks like the perfect thing to give me what I need here at the end of 2020, which is a good old full-hearted human cry. I mean, mm-hmm. push me to the edge, you know? Mm-hmm. Let me feel it. I'm ready to I'm ready for Pixar to to 
to CGI my shit to the to the to the to the brink. Fuck me up with the feelings, Pixar. Yes. Disney Pixar. Give me so oh man. And Jamie Foxx is in it too. <laughs> I'm giving out free plugs. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, fun fun fact for our listeners, Cody cries once a year. I cry once an hour. It's how we work, <laughs> all right? It's um, balance, balance and moderation, you know? You know what I'm checking for is the great conjunction, okay? The great conjunction is today when we're recording this podcast on December 21st. Whoops, I just dated it. Yikes. There is just something really good happening with the planets. And I know what you're thinking, Rachel. I'd love to get a higher level of specificity there. And the thing is, is that I can't tell you exactly what's happening. This planet's here. That planet's there. They're just fucking conjuncting around in a way that's just different. Um, But my mom did send me uh, some information about my sign. Shout out Virgo. And apparently during the Great Conjunction, I am likely to get some really good professional news. Okay. Which means might have to quit the podcast because I'll be checked for not holding my breath or else I would be dead. Um, so, 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 yeah, so I'm checking for the conjunction because I could always use some good professional news. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? It's uh, <laughs> continuing to breathe while these celestial blessings come upon you. What are you talking about? I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it sounds majestic and positive. You know I know. Dude, check out, shout out the conjunction. Check what that shit out. It might be your son too that's got cur- good career news. I mean... I don't want to give away all the secrets, but black people have been talking about getting powers today. I'm not going to put mine out on the live wire, but you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say it's, it's not, not happening. You know what I'm so, yeah. <laughs> okay. And Cody is now doing a spell. All right. <laughs> <laughs> is doing a spell over Google Meet. Uh, oh, wow. We're getting witchy in here. But you know what? The best sorcery is still to come. And by that, I mean, do you are not going to believe the guest that we got today. It is <laughs> cute. You really thought I was going to tell you before the break? I think not. You're going to have to wait and you're going to have to wait. We'll be back. Oh wow, what a treat. It's it's a it's a treat like it's your birthday and you're blowing out some candles. That's how I feel about this guest. Artist, producer, drummer, musical tour de force. You can or rather could catch him performing live with his band New Context all around the Chicago live music scene. Currently, he's out here producing beats day in, day out, and also dropping solos as a solo artist does as the one, the only, Benya Via, Ryan, Benya. It's great to have you here. Great to be here. Ryan, uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm extremely interested in getting into this because I'm curious what it looks like to step out as a solo act as a drummer or like, are you just, are you selling beats? Uh, or are you, you know, you on drummer Instagram, like I'm on, like on the comics, be on the internet, just trying to do something, cook something up. You, you, you hopping from band to band freelancing, like the man, like how walk me through how you make it happen. I think now more than ever, um, I've just been trying to be 
sort of a multi-hyphenate and quickly realized that one bag like is not going to cut it anymore. You know, I think that was definitely true. Um, I'll say if it wasn't entirely true before COVID, it sure as hell is true now. Um, so yeah, I grew up playing, playing the drums with my older brother, Alec, who's also a musician in LA right now. And that was definitely the main bag for a while when I moved to Chicago. I think, I think most people primarily know me as a drummer. I lead a group like Rachel, you said, New Context. And so that's been the main bag for a while. But yeah, I've had like a lot of songs, a lot of beats that I've been sitting on for a few years now. And it's finally, it's finally that time. So I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to stretch uh, as much as I can. That time to launch. And let's just say you're launching. Um, uh, shout out Ryan's, uh, we'll get into Ryan's single later, but let's just say yours truly is <laughs> featured in the music video. Okay. I like for uh, sure. Yeah, bitch, booked this. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, let's get to these origins. You're from the Midwest, from Minnesota, right? Correct. And um, so, yeah, how did you, how, why Chicago? Or why Chicago over New York? You mentioned your brother's in LA. Like, what drew you? Why was Chicago um, the space for you musically? So, I went to school in Madison, uh, UW-Madison, and... Chicago is sort of the natural migration from there. Mm-hmm. I, I had a bunch of buddies graduating with me who immediately moved to Chicago. Actually, one of my roommates, I was actually supposed to move with my roommate in Madison to Chicago. He ended up having to stay an extra year. That didn't work out. But musically speaking, I moved here because I wanted to be around the type of artist that Chicago produces. Mm-hmm. And that for me means like the the Kanye's, the Commons, and, and like the New Breed, the Chances, and and the No Name Crew, and yeah, Chicago hip hop has always been my favorite brand of hip hop. Mm-hmm. And so when, when looking at the at the map, you know, it's it was really like you said, you know, it was like New York, L.A., Nashville, Austin, or Chicago. Mm-hmm. And when weighing all of all of the pieces, you know, like you said, I'm from Minnesota. So, you know, it's only like a six and a half hour drive back to see my folks. And, you know, being around that collective energy that Chicago breeds and brings to the table, it was, it was a no brainer. You know, I got to say, I maybe, maybe have a little bit of bias having been born and raised there, but I agree wholeheartedly. I hear you. Uh, My name is Cody Wilkins and I, I approve this message. I'm curious and kind of performer to performer, uh, and, you know, obviously you being in Chicago, what you think about the future of live music in Chicago as we kind of progress through this COVID history we're in? Yeah, man, that's hard. It's uh, it's looking pretty bleak. A lot of the places that, you know, I used to go to are either hurting really bad or going out of business. You know, one of my favorite venues in Chicago to to see local live music was the California Clipper. And like they went under like second month of COVID. So that was just, that was sort of like the brick of reality hitting you in the face. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to watch for sure, but it's, it's also just like our new reality. Mm -hmm. And and you got to imagine that after this, you know, we're we're back in the roaring twenties. I just read this hilarious ass meme 
like <laughs> the 1918 <laughs> pandemic, like I get why so many people were dressing up for no fucking reason right. in the twenties and that shit became the roaring twenties. And like, I feel like this is about to be the same shit, you know, yeah. it's like people are about to be out and about. And I think people are just going to be like, you know, humans are social creatures. Like we're going to want to be back where all the action is. And, and I hope that coincides with the rise of new venues or, um, at least keeps afloat those that are struggling right now. Back before the coughing 20s, when live music was a thing, how do you manage kind of your checkery within a band? You know, how what, what's the push and pull of that dynamic and that team setting? Like, I feel like I imagine I would always kind of be on edge because there's got to always be another drummer out there working when I'm sleeping who is coming for my spot. But wait, is my team checking for somebody else? But what's that, what's that like? That's one of the perks of having your own group. It's like, it's not going that way. Right. But for freelancing with other groups, yeah, yeah, of course. I think at the end of the day, you're trying to find someone to best serve the music. And if that other person is someone else, like, go for it, you know? Totally. Yeah, I know. I feel like all bands are, like, a hop, skip, and a jump away from, like, some unruly ego just burning that shit to the ground. Or that's, like, my perspective. Yo, why do you think there are, like, no more bands anymore? (laughs) Right. Like, home studios have become so pervasive that bands are, like, not as as popping as they used to be yeah and that shit is hard like you know i'll I'll say it without fully saying it but there has been some tumult in in my group just going into the mixing and and mastering phases because aligning visions with with multiple people is hard you know And and i'm sure that's true for comedy i'm sure that's true for all other art forms. Wow, we are getting the new context tea right now. Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and you did. You have gone ahead, and you have um, you've branched out a bit. I'm not to say that you're like you know peace out new context, but uh, you are out here creating a new context in uh, your solo act. <laughs> Let's speak a bit to your your stage name because I'm getting a lot of Jewish vibes. Okay, I'm I'm getting some klezmer. I'm hearing some clarinet, blaring. <laughs> I'm talking if I'm getting klezmer. <laughs> I'm you're serving You're serving Tevya. Okay, on the roof. <laughs> so, what is the background behind your stage name? Yeah, so I wanted some something to represent who I am and what I'm doing and where I'm coming from. And Benya via Benya comes from my. My Hebrew name, Benjamin, and um, Via comes from the place in Spain, Sevilla, where I first downloaded music production software at the time and, and started producing. And and what kind of made you take the leap to to be to become Benjamin over you know the drummer? Not that you're not both, but you know, I think it was just time. Like I said, you know, I've been, I got so so many songs, so many beats, so many ideas on my computer, voice memo app, like everywhere. And COVID was really the, one of the catalysts for doing that. No one can be out performing anymore, right? And so it's just like, all right, like, what's my new, 
like, what am I going to do? <laughs> right? I'm sure you guys feel that way too. It's not to mention, you know, bills got to get paid. Right. That's another element, of course. <laughs> of course, the classic bill paying. Was it scary to, to uh, kind of assert yourself in this way? Were you nervous at all? It's always anxiety inducing to some degree to share with people something that you've been working on for so long. I remember hearing this quote from my like ninth grade English teachers and like publishing a book was like bringing your child out in the backyard with a shotgun. Cause like, oh. and, and that's just hella <laughs> melodramatic, but yeah, I, I think to a degree, that's right. Like you gotta be ready for, you know, feedback, good and bad. You gotta be ready for people to be fucking with it. You gotta be ready for other people to be shitting on it. So I think, I think for me, I think those fears were very uh, temporary. And for me, it, it was more liberating than anything. Have you felt more checked for as a solo artist versus a drummer within like a greater group? Yeah, I think, I think it's always different when your name is on the marquee, so to speak. Yeah. I think that sort of just comes with the territory. And... And yeah, like it feels like it feels I don't know, like this is like part of my DNA and it, it feels like really good and really natural. You know, it may be part of your DNA. You mentioned your brother's a musician as well. Uh, and so but you also mentioned I heard you talk about Sevilla. And so I'm, I want to know where did where tell me exactly where we started. Yeah. So more backstory on that. I was studying abroad in in college and. Sevilla was my spot and yeah the you guys want the long story or the short story hey we got time (laughs) basically for spring break me and my buddies did a little you know Europe is everything all the countries are very close by like states in the U.S. type of thing so we knocked off a few countries on the list and one of them was Italy and while we were there our last day in Florence, we went to see the Duomo, which is a giant cathedral in the heart of town. Mm-hmm. And while we were walking there, we passed over the bridges um, of the Arno River. And it was like this beautiful, sunny spring day. And there were a bunch of people sunbathing and like playing cars and listening to the radio on some of the dams that cut through the river. Essentially, I was was walking on this dam with my friends and taking photos and doing the things. And I ended up slipping off of it and falling in the Arno river. How high up was it? It was a, a 10 foot drop. So it was like a story drop from the dam to oh. the water. And okay. I was like, I was fully clothed, fully oh. clothed, you know, leather shoes. I had my, my wallet, my passport, camera, mm-hmm. phone, oh. jeans, oh. Okay, leather shoes, casual, casual flex. Yeah. I mean, when when it wrong? Yeah. So that was that was a super terrifying experience for me. I, I honestly thought I was not gonna make it, and I ended up swimming to the nearest piece of land that I could find, which was like a hundred yards uh, away from the the dam. If you've ever jumped in like a pool or like 
in in the lake like with jeans on you know like how heavy they get like it felt like like hands were like pulling on me plus with like my shoes on my leather shoes on um uh yeah yeah it was it was that shit was really scary All, all that to say like i was on that island waiting for uh the italian paramedics to to show up because this this woman shouting out from the bridge above me told me that I shouldn't swim to the actual shore, um, the actual land where, you know, because a, a bunch of tourists die in the river every year. And so mm. I was like, all right, I'm going to stay put. I'm going to chill for a second. And fitting to the Italian authorities, it took them about like an hour to show up. Hmm. So I was just waiting on this island, all my clothes soaked. You know, I'd throw my my shirt on the rocks to dry, and I was just I found myself picking up these rocks and just started playing like music and playing like beats, uh, like on this island, like half naked, after almost drowning with this, and it just like it just felt right. And mm. and from there, th- this is this is the tie-in, Cody. From there, once I got back to sort of my home, my home base at the time, you know, Sevilla, I, I downloaded music, uh, download Ableton, which is a software program to make beats and make music. And I started messing around. You on that island, you were like, you, it, that was like a whole meet cute with music. You know what I mean? Like Hell you're out yeah. there you're like fell in the water. Holy <laughs> shit. Like you're soaking wet. You had to take your shirt off. And then you're just like, <laughs> Oh, Hey, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> hi. You know what I mean? Like that was you like a whole ass, like I, what's up? You know what I mean? Like that's just so incidental with it. That's so cool though. Okay. So then, I mean, kudos to you for going home and just diving right into it. You know, I would have never thought to just like, oh, I'm, I wrote a, I wrote a tweet. I'm about to buy Final Draft. Fuck, I look like. <laughs> All right, so you go back to Sphere, you download the you dig. How do you find your way into jazz, hip hop, pop, solo funk? Because I'm looking like, you know, that's I. That all sounds like quite the cocktail, but uh, you know you're also a very nice white Jewish man with a full and impressive beard. So <laughs> just, you know. um, yeah, I, I grew up playing blues and rock, the Stevie Ray Vaughan, the, the Almond Brothers, Hendrix stuff, and then in college, actually a little bit before college, uh, got introduced to to hip hop and like I was listening to Commons B that was sort of the album that ushered me into the world of hip hop. Mm -hmm. And even that album is, you know, all the soul samples that Kanye put together, that was sort of like, it was working my way backwards almost. Right. It was like, you're looking at like the leaves of a tree and and you go backwards to like find the branches and the base and, and the root of the tree. And that's sort of how like, soul music and my love for it and my love for jazz started coming to fruition. It was through hip hop. Right. Um, you know, you got all, all the samples are, are like a new generation. It's like the old generation living within the new generation. And so I went back and revisited all that stuff. And, and in college I played in uh, a jazz ensemble and uh, I got picked up to play in a hip hop project and those two things combined sort of changed my trajectory 
and change my, yeah, sort of change what my, my main bag would be. Do you feel like your checkery um, is at all impacted, like, as a white person pursuing a historically black art form? Because, like, I can say for me, for example, like, based, you know, my comedy touches on identity and race a lot. And I feel like I'm starting every fucking stand-up set with, like, growing up, I was the white girl type shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, like I, in one of the past episodes, I was like waxing poetic about how I wanted to be uh, Chelsea off Raven growing up. So, like, do you feel? Yeah, I, I guess. I did hear that one. Oh, you heard? Oh, yes, <laughs> we got a listener. We got a listener on the books. Um, so yeah, I, I guess. Uh, how do you feel like identity? Your personal identity has like um, impacted your checkery within this the context that you're working and performing in. Yeah, that's a great question and a super loaded one. Um, so when, when I was at Madison, one of my professors was this dude, Miles, uh, this dude um, Richard Davis. I was about to say Miles Davis um, because because actually Richard Davis, who was a renowned upright bass player, played with Miles um, and played with some of the great jazz players at the time. He also, you know played with Bruce Springsteen and Ahmed Jamal. And that was the first time where that, that essential cultural element really came to the forefront. You know, he was this old, he was this like 80 something year old black dude and had been around the best people in the world. Right. And he expected people to rise to that level. And with that level came the knowledge of how you got there. Right. And so he would always ask, do you know who played on this track? Do you know who the drummer was? Mm. And most of the time I was like, nah, like I actually don't. <laughs> and he was like, all right, go home and, and tell me next class who that drummer is. And, and all the jazz greats that, 99% uh, of the jazz greats are black dudes, you know? Right. And so much of my, my musical inspiration is and stems from black culture. Right. And yeah, that's definitely tricky. Like a, as a drummer in particular, it, you know, I'll just say I should have played guitar because, right. you know, <laughs> if you've seen that Dave Chappelle episode with John Mayer and Quest Love, you guys know what I'm talking about. Right, right. It just, the, it perfectly. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're like the, uh, the musical version of a white hooper. At the end of the day, it's like, how well do you do your shit? Right. And, that sort of dictates how much of, yeah, like how many people fuck with you, right? But also like in a traditionally black space, like if those black people fuck with you, right? And if they, if they understand that you like know that you don't know type of thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, the old know that you don't know. And also... <laughs> If you get treated, don't get devastated. <laughs> Mama caught me stealing better. To the shoes to on the corner here. Manager looked at me like, boy, why you do that? Ain't you all right? Okay, wildest dreams. What would you say, like, 
what is the highest level of checkery that you could personally hope to ascend to as a musician? For me, that's being able to create anywhere and have that be sustainable. And wow, same. For me to just be solvent doing so, I think, and I, I think that comes with a level of name recognition and brand recognition, right? I would love, like, my, my dream is to produce for and collaborate with all the, you know, the talented artists that, like, I draw from and get inspired by. I think in Chicago, there's so much talent. Like, this city is, like, brimming with some, like, the most talented musicians, like, I've ever met. And I think one thing that I, I've found is like that intersection between sort of like the pop world and the super talented musical world. You know, like Stevie is like a great example of, of like the fusion of those two things. Like you can be in the top 40s, but have all these really subtle and sexy chord changes going on underneath the vocals. And so some level of, of that blend, working with the right people who can manifest that vision and making a buck. How long until the time you downloaded that program in Spain until the first time you really felt checked for? And in that time in between where you knew you had this thing that you liked and you wanted to pursue, but and you were working, but it just wasn't really showing anything, what were some ways that you kind of stayed strong and endured in that time? Yeah, it was it was a good six or some years, honestly. And I'm really grateful for that time. Because that was certainly some of the formative years of my stuff as a producer and just finding my own voice and sound. And one thing that I did was just explore, ex explore and emulate. And I think, I think so much, it's, it's like emulation before innovation type of thing. And I think for me, that that area in, in that time in my life was filled with that, you know, just like low hanging fruits and, and let's just cover the foundation and, and find out like what worked, like what moves you. I, I like that emulation before innovation. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. I like that. About to get that tattooed <laughs> on, my, on, my, on my forehead. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you want to learn guitar, like, you know, learn some Hendrix licks, right. It, mm -hmm. it, if you want to, Learn some slick chord changes, you know, listen to Wes Montgomery, see a jazz guitarist. You know, it's like there was this interview with D'Angelo that came out right after, I think, Black Messiah dropped, where he said something that I loved. He was like, the people that you look up to don't, don't seek what they did, seek what they sought. Mm. And that's one of the things that's really resonated with me as I've started moving into that solo artist space. Uh, I just hit my whole, that's resonating like a vibraphone on my knee, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> as, as they say. All right, well, and this is something that we ask all of our guests, what do you want people checking for from Ben Yavia next? So I got a, I got a new context project, a new context EP drop in within the next couple months. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, that's going to be a five track EP. And then I got 
a handful of singles drop in from now until summer and, and fall. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And where can we keep our eye? Where can listeners go to find you? Yeah, so Instagram, Benyavia, uh, and all the music will be everywhere. Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, the works, all the streaming platforms. All right, you heard the man. Check him out. Look him up. Benyavia, Ryan Lehrman, thank you so much for coming on. Ain't nobody checking for me. Consider yourself officially checked for. Just kidding. Got no idea how many people are about to listen to this shit. <laughs> Anyways, I'm Rachel Jarofsky. I'm Cody Wilkins, and we are out. Ain't nobody for me. Checking for me. Checking for me.